0: Thanks for joining me on this journey, and welcome to the Journey with Jenny podcast on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV, where we hit all the topics that help and encourage you on this journey of life, everything from health to mindset to business to finances, anything that helps you and makes your life better, we cover it all. My advice for all the mamas whose kids struggle in school. So as a former teacher and as a mom, this is one that is near and dear to my heart. Yes, I have a degree in education and a master's degree in education. And yes, I am a mom, but it is more my personal experience combined with these things that gives weight to what I want to share. I have had many conversations with friends over the years on this very topic, and I have heard their struggles. So I thought it might also benefit someone else out there, perhaps you. It doesn't seem like these issues are diminishing or going away at all. So I hope that you find strength, conviction, wisdom, and information in this podcast that you can use to help make your child's life better. And this is not an end-all, be-all on this topic. This is just my personal advice from my perspective, but this is a great place to start. So let's dive in. The title of this episode is My Advice for All the Mamas Whose Kids Struggle in School. So, that is a broad title and that is on purpose because there are many, many reasons why your child might be struggling in school. And there are many, many different ways in which your child um, could be struggling and having difficulty. So, I'm going to cover a range of topics and ideas for you to consider. So, listen. Evaluate against your present situation and see what road makes sense for you to walk down. There might be a singular issue or there might be multiple issues going on with your child. But when I started down this path, despite my training, I discovered things that I never knew. And my guess is there's a lot that your child's teacher or your child's school doesn't know either, especially when it comes to knowing your child. I am a firm believer that you, the parent, are your child's best advocate. No one loves your child like you do. No one knows your child like you do. No one is as invested in your child as you are. So do your research, pay attention to your child, and insist on what is best for your child. And my desire is to help you in that process. So before we begin, let's talk about what kinds of struggles am I talking about? So here are some things that you might have noticed in your child. Your child can't handle more than several directions given to them at one time. So for example, like you tell them to do several things and they haven't even done the first one and they always forget the second and third or fourth things. Your child seems to forget things a lot. Your child regularly doesn't understand the instructions given by the teacher or by you. Your child struggles to read or to sound out words. Your child works hard to sound out a word, gets it, then acts as though they have never seen it before when they come across it again on the next line. Um, Also, your child is falling behind in reading and comprehension in school. Your child doesn't seem to get things when you tell stories or when you talk to them or when you tell jokes. Your child has a hard time reading social cues. Your child gets up frequently to walk around. Your child has difficulty understanding the plays and directions that their coaches give. Your child is often too wrapped up in their own thoughts to hear you. Your child starts conversations at inappropriate times. Your child frequently interrupts others in conversation to the point where their friends get frustrated with them and you notice these things in multiple settings in your child's life. So these are the kinds of things I'm talking about. And if you are a parent who is nodding your head and saying, yes, 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 you're talking about my kid, then this episode is for you. If you're sitting there scratching your head and saying, isn't that what all kids do? Then maybe this episode isn't for you. But those of you who are saying yes, Yep, that's me. I got it. These are things that we're dealing with. I'm talking to you. This is for you, okay? So let's start with the structure of school. So schools are set up for a specific type of learner, and there's all kinds of different ways to learn, and there's there's a specific structure that school is in and if your child doesn't fit into that mold and learns a different way then school becomes very difficult for them and you as a parent need to realize this and to see this because not every child fits into that mold Whereas, yes, this is what we have. And I'm talking to US parents here, parents of kids in schools here in the United States. Um, So I can't speak to to school systems in other countries. But it's the the specific sit down and learn and be in a class and and be in this environment and and disseminate the information and absorb the information and spit it back out on a test. And so this kind of learning um, doesn't cater to all the different kinds of learners that we have out there. And um, if you look back in history and you see some geniuses like Einstein, um, it, often the genius level, like you look at some of these geniuses and they did not do well in school and they did not behave well in school. And so you you have to take this into account and just be aware of this and the structure of the school. And um, there's a whole list, like your child could be right-eared or left-eared or right-handed or left-handed or right brain or left-brained, like there's all kinds of different aspects of that um, that go into what makes up your child and then how that translates into this one setting that they are given in school to learn. So there's that to be mindful of. And then to tag onto that, there are different ways that children learn. And it's really important for you to be able to Pay attention to your child and you might be saying already right away, oh, I know how my child learns best. Or you might be scratching your head saying like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so if that is you, then this is for you because listen up. Of the different main ways that children learn that anyone learns but we're talking about your child in this case okay because the the more that you know about your child the more that you are going to be able to help them okay so there's four top categories and then I'm gonna fair, share a couple of others to be mindful of as well but these are the top four main categories that um, teachers are well aware of and anyone who works with children in a teaching setting um, number one One is visual learners, um, visual or spatial learners, okay? So, these are learners that learn best when it's presented visually to them. So, children who learn best this way are doodlers and they are list makers and they are students who take notes. Okay. So, they need to see something to really be able to absorb it and understand it. Okay. So, visual learners, spatial learners. Okay. The second kind of learner is an auditory learner. So, auditory learners learn best when the topic is reinforced by sound, such as listening to a book on tape or listening to the lecture rather than reading the written notes or using their own voice to reinforce the concepts that were taught, okay? So these children are not afraid to speak up in class, okay? So they're auditory. They hear and they speak it and um, they be, are be able to understand the information that way. The third main category of learner is a kinesthetic learner. So kinesthetic learners are tactile learners. They are hands-on. So they learn best through movement, through touching things. And these learners have a hard time sitting still often, and they often need to take more breaks, okay? And then the fourth main kind of learner is a reading or writing learner, and this overlaps with visual a little bit, um, but these learners learn through written words. So they express themselves through writing, through reading, through writing in a diary, writing essays, looking up words, and school is catered to this kind of learner, okay? So um, I know that uh, teachers are taught and teachers do their best to be able to incorporate all of these kinds of learnings in their lessons as best they can. Um, But it's really important to understand for your child and for your child to understand how they learn best because I think that is such a powerful piece of information for them to know and to take ownership of. And so it doesn't mean they can't learn in the other ways, but what speaks to them the most? Because quite frankly, when I look at this list, I do all of these things. I would incorporate all of these things in the way I learned. Um, and so, uh, but I think one will often stand out more than others. And you might be able to hear that lesson and say, oh, my child is definitely this way. So knowing that and then tailoring and catering things for them to learn in that way is great for them. And then for them to understand that, hey, this is the best, the way that I learn best. And then I can try to reinforce my lessons. In this way, for example, if they are an auditory learner and uh, the words are being put up in front of them to read, or they're given the book to read, possibly listening along on a book on tape or CD. Well, nothing's on tape anymore, <laughs> I just give away my age, but book on CD or you know, like download it um, to be able to listen along with while you are reading the words. And honestly, the more that you incorporate all of these things when you learn the more that you are really going to cement those things in your mind and in your memory and to really absorb and understand these things, okay? So those are the four main things, but I also want to give you a few others to consider as well. There's also um, a linguistic learner, and um, this means your child is word smart. Um, that kind of goes along with the, the written word one, um, or, or I always said that the spatial, the kinesthetic. Um, then adding on to those logical, um, they are into numbers and reasoning, very mathematical. Um, there's also a musical learner, rhythms and songs um, smart. So this would be like musical instruments and singing. There's an interpersonal learner. So they're very people smart. They learn through discussions and these tend to be your leaders. There's the intrapersonal learner um, who is uh, self-smart. They learn through their own creation, through writing and through drawing. And then there's the naturalist. So the outdoor, the nature smart. So goes with touching and being in and experiencing nature. So those kind of add on the kind of round out and understand your child well too. But keep these in mind. So do you know what kind of learner your child is? It will be so incredibly helpful to your child to know what way they learn best because then you can talk to your child's teacher and make sure they know how your child learns best. And that way, your child can take ownership in doing things to be able to absorb and learn the information that the teacher is teaching. So how does your child learn best? Okay. So, the next thing is this leads to processing and something called executive function. What is executive function? Well, Very Well Health defines executive function this way executive function describes several aspects of thinking, including planning memory, and self-control. For most people, executive function naturally improves throughout childhood and adulthood as the brain matures and various experiences shape these abilities, okay? So executive function is broken down into three main components, inhibitory control, working memory, and cognitive flexibility. Each of these is key to how our brain works and how we learn things, thus showing up in how well we do in school. If any of these things is off, your child may have a hard time performing in school. So these are the things we are talking about when it comes to executive function, okay? So this is what we mean by executive function. We're talking about processing new information, memorizing facts, recalling information, learning concepts, making calculations, planning events and actions, decision-making, reasoning, paying attention, focusing and directing thoughts, inhibition of behavior, organization, and imagination. Okay. So all of this falls under executive function. And as you can see, these are critical things to your child's ability to learn and to do well in school. Okay. So What are signs of an executive function disorder? Okay. So some things that would show that there is an executive function disorder would include forgetting facts, appointments, or experiences, not doing important tasks, trouble concentrating, diminished ability to use familiar objects, getting lost, mood changes or withdrawals from others, and worsening performance at school okay, or in any of the things that they're doing. So what can be done about executive function? Well, there are a lot of specific activities that you can do with your child that will help with any number of these areas. For example, working memory. Working memory is one of the three main aspects or components of executive function that I just mentioned. So working memory is an active memory. It's the little bits of information that you store in your brain to use in the activities and the tasks you are doing. So this is used to be able to help you recall words in a text and help you read fluently. So if you have a poor working memory, it makes learning difficult. It makes reading difficult. It makes comprehension comprehension difficult. So what are things that you can do to improve your child's working memory? Well, here are some things. you can have your child tell stories and have them do um, take uh, make made up endings to familiar tales. You could read to them and then ask questions to your child as you are reading. You can play repetition games, have them repeat after you or play things like Simon Says or Bop It. I don't know if you have either of those, but they light up or you hear them and you have to respond to um, what they're telling you to do. Playing board games. Um, Also, visualizing an event that happened in your life and have your child describe it in detail as if they're picturing it in a photograph and and just describing everything that's in there and happened. Um, Practice pattern games. This is really um, a great way, um, a great thing to do. There are pages online that you can use. Um, You can Google this, you can look this up. Um, There are also a lot of organizations online that specialize in this, that work with children in this. So if you think this is something that your child can benefit from, um, then you can definitely look into those things. Also, Consider the eyes. This can greatly affect reading and comprehension, okay? So I'm talking about uh, vision therapy. So be sure to have your your child's eyes checked. So there's something called vision therapy that might be helpful. The eyes and the way that they focus determine a lot of the understanding that your child has in seeing the page and processing the lines on the page and making sense of it all. So, yes, your eyes are controlled by muscles, and they are very strong, and it is rare that vision problems are caused by muscle weakness. But rather, vision therapy aims to retrain the learned aspects of vision through the recently understood concept of neuroplasticity, okay? So there's the thing that we're all very familiar with, visual acuity, which is the 20-20 part of vision, and that's what you'd need glasses to improve that, okay? While what we're talking about are visual skills such as tracking together along a line of text and those must be learned during development. And these are skills that vision therapy works at and helps improve because it's possible that they are not improving over time um, as they should be. And then vision therapy helps to correct that and improve that. So this is an interesting and a bit shocking piece of data but it is estimated that one in 10 children have a vision problem severe enough to affect their learning in school. But school vision screenings can miss up to half of these problems. So it's so important that you take your child to an optometrist to have a full exam. And um, maybe they would recommend having vision therapy. And vision therapy is done in the doctor's office. It's done under their direction. It uses a variety of things like prisms and patches and electronic targets with timing mechanisms and a variety of special tools that are designed for specific and unique activities that the vision therapy does. So vision therapy is unique for each patient and it's individualized for each child. So that's another pro tip of something that could be helpful to you um, so that you may um, not have known about uh, before. So We are going to continue on with talking more about the body, and we started with the eyes and then talking more about what we can do to support the body and help the body so that your child can function the best that they can in school. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and dive into that. So you are listening to the Journey with Jenny podcast and Journey with Jenny on SM Enlightenment Radio and TV. I'm Jenny, and I'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you. Welcome back to Journey with Jenny on SM Enlightenment Radio and TV and the Journey with Jenny podcast. I'm Jenny, and we are talking to you mamas and maybe some dads out there about how to help your child who is struggling in school. And we just left off with talking about vision and the eyes. And now let's talk more about the body and how we can support our children and their body because there are things that we can do as parents to help our children and things that you can do to improve your child's body's function. Like we're talking blood flow and attention and brain activity. And that is by paying attention to what goes in and on your child's body. So first, nutrition. Nutrition plays a huge role in how your child learns and processes information. I'm sure you know that if you gave your child sugar, they would be bouncing off the walls, right? (laughs) Like, you know how that goes. So that is the concept here that we are talking about. And there is so much more beyond sugar that we can do to help our children function the best that they can and to thrive. And not meaning that sugar is going to help them thrive, (laughs) it's quite the opposite so first we want to be lowering inflammation Inflammation is a good natural response of the body when there is an infection, but the problem is when our body is in a constant state of inflammation, there's trouble. And second, we want to be lowering our child's stress. We don't want their system to always be on high alert, causing their system to be stressed. Okay? So let's go back to inflammation. How do we lower inflammation? Well... We need to know what the main causes of inflammation are in the body. And then if we get rid of those things, then we will naturally lower inflammation. So what causes inflammation? Well, sugar is one of them. So we already mentioned sugar. Sugar is one of them. Um, Another one is gluten. Gluten is a huge, big, bad problem. It is wreaking havoc in the gut. So it has a bad reputation of literally tearing holes in the gut lining. Yikes, that is not good. And I actually did a whole episode on this. You can go back and check episode six for more information on gluten. All right, the next one is dairy. Dairy is notorious for creating an inflammatory response in the body. Then there's meat that is not grass-fed, okay? So being grass-fed is really important for the meat that you eat. Uh, Vegetable oil, fried foods, yeast, artificial sweeteners, And I did a whole podcast on this one. So that is episode nine. You can go back and listen to that all about artificial sweeteners. So I'm not going to go into great detail about them here. Then there's artificial additives. So especially Red Dye 40 and, quite frankly, all of the dyes. Uh, There's saturated and trans fats. There's conventional processed meats, trans fats foods, and fast foods. Okay. And then there's other things that are just plain bad for your child and not helping their body. So a few of those things are MSG, high fructose corn syrup, sodium nitrite, sodium nitrate, diacetyl, just to name a few. And if those don't sound very familiar, or you've kind of heard them, but aren't really sure about them or what they're in or how that all works, I did a whole podcast episode on those too. So go back to episode seven and take a listen to that. And I will link all of those episodes in the show notes so that you can go back and take a listen to those things, okay? So stop and think about what you are feeding your child. How much of these things are included in your child's diet, okay? So what do you feed your child? Well, very quickly, Whole Foods. Whole Foods is a great option. So lots of fruit and lots of veggies, all the fruits and all the veggies, okay, unless they're allergic to it, of course. Um, Nuts are a great thing to feed them as well. So here's a quick short list of some ideas of things to incorporate into your child's diet to help you get started. But like I said, like all the fruits, all the veggies, just go for it. The more, the better. The more different ones, the better. But things like berries, all of them, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, apples, oranges, grapefruit, mango, leafy greens, celery, broccoli, walnuts, flax seeds, chia seeds, bone broth, grass-fed beef, spices like ginger and turmeric. So those are just, that's just a super small list of things, but so many of those are specifically anti-inflammatory. But also just very, just like I said, just whole foods, vegetables, leafy greens, fruits, These are all great things to make sure that we are incorporating into our child's diet and making up the majority of their diet. So reach out to me if you want some help with that. I'm on Instagram at Jenny Hardy. Uh, So you can definitely um, reach out to me if you want any more information or some ideas of things like that or what to feed your kids, okay? All right, so second knowing what is in the products that you are using is super important okay so here's the thing you need to understand that what your child what your child puts on his or her body gets into your child's skin goes into the bloodstream and goes to all of his or her major organs, okay? So it matters what is in the products that your child is using. And it can have a very great effect on how they function, how they perform in school, how they think, okay? So there are preservatives, and there's heavy metals, and there's a lot of questionable ingredients that are commonly used, commonly used, more common than you would even realize, commonly used in products. And we're talking basic personal care products, okay? Things like shampoos, conditioners, soaps, like just that kind of stuff, all right? So listen to what the effects are of some very common ingredients um, that are in these products that I was just talking about, soaps and shampoos and conditioners and um, deodorants and all these kinds of things, okay? So this is a list of things that ingredients in those products are linked to, all right? They have an effect on estrogen and thyroid hormone levels, blocks estrogen in boys and causes hormonal changes, obesity, diabetes, neurological problems in the brain, endocrine disruptors, cause of gut bacteria imbalances, links to cancer, altering of testosterone and thyroid serum levels. Okay, so those are all things that are related to ingredients. They are effects of ingredients that are all commonly in regular lotions and shampoos and conditioners and personal care products that you likely have in your house right now, okay? So this is why I'm saying this is a really important thing to pay attention to and to understand that these are things that are affecting your child and could be affecting how they are performing in school, things that you might not even have connected at all, okay? So some specific ingredients to avoid are parabens, phthalates, triclosan, petrolatum, Sodium laureth sulfate, which is S-L-E-S. Sometimes it's listed as that on the ingredients level um, list. And sodium laurel sulfate, which is S-L-S on the ingredients list. Synthetic fragrances and dyes. Ethanolamines, which is um, M-E-A, D-E-A, T-E-A formaldehyde-donating preservatives, okay? So that's just a very short list. I didn't want to overwhelm you with a super long list of ingredients that you don't want in your products, um, but that's a great place to start. So start paying attention to the ingredients in the products that you are using. So for more on this, listen to episode seven as well. So that information is included in that episode as well. So the bottom line is change your products. Be sure you know what the ethical standards of the company are that are the products that you are using? Do they have clean ingredient policies? What do they allow in their products? Where do they source the ingredients in their products? How do they test their products? What certifications do their products have? Okay. So please, 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 please pay attention to this. It matters so much more than you think. Okay. So do not underestimate the power of the role of nutrition, supplementation, and products, um, the role that these things play in the learning of your child. All right. So now let's talk about approaching the school with your concerns. Okay. So there are some things you need to understand about this process. So we are paying attention to the structure of the school. We are paying attention to how our child learns. We are paying attention to um, the the executive function. We are paying attention to the foods that they are eating, the products that they are using. So. You have these concerns and you want to talk to the school about it. What does this look like? So again, I'm talking about U.S. schools here, okay? So depending on the severity of the symptoms and the level of disruption to your child and to the class, you will get a varied response from the school. In the first scenario, they will agree with you and they are the ones who bring it to your attention, In scenario number two, you are the one bringing it to their attention, and they might disagree with you or just simply not have an inclination that there is even an issue, okay? So the reality is, is that there's only so much special education money in the budget, and school districts fight to protect that money and only dole it out where they feel it is necessary. While this is understandable, there's only so much of the pie to go around, right? It also makes the job of the parent fighting for their child Incredibly hard. Okay. So, as a parent, you need to remember that you have to insist on what you want. They are very unlikely to simply hand over everything that you are asking. Okay. And this is why it becomes very hard for parents because most parents are not teachers and they don't really know what they're looking for or what they're talking about. And they don't know how to ask for what they want. And it makes me very sad and frustrated to see this. Parents know that something is amiss with their child, but they just don't know what. And they bring it to their school and they say, no, they're doing just fine. They, you know, who knows? They might be in the lower percentage of the class. They just need to have the numbers to give averages, right? So, but I go back to you as the parent. You know what you see. You know what you are dealing with. If you feel that there is something amiss, there likely is. So there are two main ways to service children, the 504 plan and the IEP. So let's start with the IEP. The IEP stands for the Individualized Education Plan. Okay, It is highly regulated by law, and what goes in there is required to be carried out by the school district. There are reviews of it every year, and this requires a meeting with all the stakeholders. So that would include the parents, the teachers, the school administrators, and any other personnel, such as the counselor and the school school psychologist, um, possibly. So it is reviewed annually, and in order to qualify for an IEP, you must meet the following criteria. One, the student has one or more of the disabilities specified in the IDEA. And two, the disability impacts the student's educational capacity and or the ability to learn and benefit from the general education curriculum, which results in the need for specialized education, okay? So that's what the IEP is, I'm putting them into that specialized education at specialized instruction, all right? Then there's the 504. The 504 plan is not as formal as the IEP. A 504 is designed to provide accommodations for the students to be able to access their education. So students must meet the following criteria for a 504. One, they have to have a disability which substantially limits one or more major life activities, and two, The disability must interfere with the student's ability to access and or learn in a general education setting, okay? So the main difference is that with an IEP, the child qualifies for special education and thus receives special education services through that IEP, okay? Okay. For a 504, a child has a disability and qualifies for the 504, but not for special education. There is extensive testing that is required to gain an IEP, and there is not as much testing that's required for a 504. One way to obtain a 504 is by submitting a letter from the child's doctor. Students have a 504 plans for a whole variety of things, like um illnesses, um, diseases that they might have, anxiety, like there's a long list of reasons why a child might have a 504. And some accommodations that are provided in a 504 plan might be preferential seating in the class, extended time on tests, use of a computer or special apparatus, special permission to use the bathroom. Um, just the list can go on. It's it's specialized and tailored to that child. So there's special accommodations for your child. So know the options that you have available to you. If you have academic concerns, speak with your child's teacher and have a discussion as to what they are seeing in the classroom. There will then likely be a meeting with the admin and with counselors and etc to discuss this and then assign testing based on the testing they will decide on a direction to head and this is why i want you to know the procedure because if you aren't satisfied with what the school determines then you need to keep going and the truth is that they are likely to push for the least expensive option which would then not include the iep so like i said in the beginning You are your child's best advocate, and you know your child best, and I feel very, very firmly about this. No one knows your child and your child's potential like you do. So this is why I gave you several avenues to go down, okay? So I wanted to give you this information to be able to help you have it to make the best decisions possible for you. So let's review the things that we talked about. We talked about discovering how your child learns best, understanding the role of executive function, cleaning up their eating and nutrition, changing their personal care products to products with clean ingredients that aren't contributing to the cause of their issues, being cognizant of how the process works in the school, and bringing your concerns to your child's teacher. Do what you can, where you can, on all fronts to help set your child up for success. And so here's the thing. You can choose to look at this information that I just provided you in one of two ways. One, it can seem overwhelming. Or two, it can seem like a gift, a treasure trove of information that can start you on your path of discovery. I hope you choose number two. I hope you have heard things that you didn't know and they sparked ideas of things to investigate more, to look into more. Let this be the starting point to lead you to a place where your child is thriving. Your child is thriving because your child is well-nourished and fueled inside and out. Your child is thriving because he or she is confident, because he knows or she knows how he or she learns and knows how to speak up for the help that they need. I hope this gives you confidence as your child's mom or dad, if you are listening, to know you are doing everything that you can to help your child flourish. And thrive. If you know someone who this conversation would benefit, please share this episode with them. Get the word out to other mamas to let them know how they can stand up for their child. If you have questions or you simply want to share your story with me, I'd love to hear from you. I am on Instagram. I'm at Jenny Hardy, and that's Jenny with an I E. So it's J E N N I E, H A R D Y. Um, I'd love to connect with you there. And if you'd like to join a thriving community of people making the change to healthy lifestyle choices, then join us in our Facebook group at journey with Jenny to healthy living. So we're on Facebook at journey with Jenny to healthy living. And I will link um, that in the show notes. And I will also link all of the episodes that I had mentioned in the show notes as well. So I hope this has been helpful and I'm looking forward to connecting. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining me on SM enlightenment radio or TV, or joining us on the journey with Jenny podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please download my podcast and leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help, and I would be so grateful. I'm Jenny. Have a good one.